Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, everybody. My name is Steve B. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and a member of the Golden Text Group of Hollywood, Florida. A lot of great energy in here tonight. And I had this incredible game plan, which we, what we were which we were going to do. And then I came in and my sponsor was sitting in the back of the room and everything went to poop. <laughs> I can tell you I'm very, very nervous in, in, in a blessed way. I, I have to share with you. You know, if you're in here tonight and you've already submitted and you've already surrendered, I want us to remember there's so many people that have not surrendered yet and how very blessed we are for the get very gift of surrender. Amen. I'm not going to mention her name, but we we have this young girl uh, just doing wonderful from Brooklyn. She was just here with us a couple weeks ago and uh, went into detox yesterday. Begged to go into detox yesterday. And she just jumped the wall just now. In a neighborhood that a young girl should not be in. And and I remember how that was. I remember how it was not to be surrendered. So when I come here tonight and I just did the third step prayer and I was hugging my friends and, and tears were coming down my face because just a short time ago in my life, I remember how it was where I just wanted one more and I didn't care about the consequences. And I said to my mom, and I had no shoes on, and I said to my mom, I'm going, I'm, I'm running, I'm going... I'm, I'm going across the tracks and I'm going to get high. And she said, and then what? I said, what do you mean, and then what? It doesn't matter. Because all I could think about was that one thing. That one more. And there's a beautiful young lady tonight. Younger than 25 years old. And she's just this little precious thing. She's like like 5 foot, maybe 4'11", four 4'9". Just a couple weeks ago when Kelly was speaking over at our home group and Nancy was there, she was doing so great. And then the very next day she decided to go on a run. And tonight she hasn't surrendered again. So I just want to, if we can just keep this little girl in mind, her name is Julia. And she's precious and she's got a precious mom. She's got people that really care about her. And so when you came in here tonight and you were thinking about all the stuff that you didn't have today or your job didn't go well, or you don't know what you're going to do for your career choice, or your roommate didn't do the dishes in the sink, I just want you to remember something. What does Paul always say? 
We are the fortunate ones. We have made it to the big leagues. We don't, we're not out there anymore. We've already done the first step. Whether we rolled in here or we were sent in here, whether we were court-ordered or parent-ordered or job-ordered or friend-ordered or spouse-ordered, we have made it. And I just want to just feel the immensity of that. That we're in a room and 90% of us came here tonight to hear about God. We're in a room where 90% of us want to have a great time talking about God. We're in a room, the big book says that we're ordinarily not mixed. And we can't wait to see each other. I mean, what's going on tonight? People in the next house, next there, that aren't in, they're like, what's going on over there tonight behind the tracks? Let me tell you what's going on. We're going to talk about God. And we're going to hit a step. And, and, you know, my sponsor Russell's here. And so for you guys that are jealous online, like Judy, Russell's actually in the house. We can't make fun of him because he's here. And for all of you guys that thought I came up with all, if Russell was up here right now, he was where Nancy was sitting, and every time I used one of his lines, he went like this, you'd find out that I'm not that great. Because the whole meeting, whether I'd be talking about croutons, or talking about this or that, or a man with experience meets a man with my, you'd, Russell would just be like this the whole time. Because 21 years ago, I was in a treatment center, and I couldn't stop after having seven years just a couple months earlier. And I hadn't worked the steps, and I had not, and really the main one that I didn't work, the main two, excuse me, that I didn't work, the main two is step six and seven. I really didn't see that much that it was going to be that important. And for all the new people in here, what is step six and seven? We did it last week. It's being ready to have God remove your defects of character. And I didn't think that was that big of a deal. I'm like, what's the, my, my two main defects were cracking alcohol. I, I, I gave that up in the first step. I thought the rest of me was phenomenal. And it turns out, without an active program in Alcoholics Anonymous and constantly surrendering the defects, you will get sicker in sobriety. See, I didn't become an alcoholic and a drug addict because I used alcohol. I was an alcoholic before I ever used alcohol. And the moment I took that first drink, I was like, wow, that's the Sudafed for my mental illness. That actually works. As the big book in Russell says, there's nothing that works quicker. It's like, man, that's exactly what I was looking for. At 12 years old, some of you guys know the story. If you've been here in the steps... You heard that I gave another young man a gun and I said that he could shoot at me. And I did that because my self-esteem was so low that I would rather put my life in jeopardy than for you to leave me, or like we used to call it, flat leave. And I didn't want him to flat leave me. So I said to him, wait, wait, don't leave. You can shoot at me. And before I ever took my first drink, this young man shot at me and blew out my right eye. I was an alcoholic before I ever took my first drink. I was doing alcoholic behavior. I was doing self-destructive behavior before I ever took a first drink. The moment I took that uh, first drink of uh, Manischewitz, 
Jewish table wine. And I only say that because the room is full of Jews. <laughs> and apparently online, they all raised their hand also. Is when I took that Manischewitz Jewish table wine, it was like, bam. My eye could see, my self-esteem, I could dance. I didn't have to tell lies about who my brother was. I was telling everybody that my brother was a professional football player. Which is a problem if you don't have a brother. <laughs> and so I didn't have to lie anymore about who I was because alcohol did for me what I was always searching for in friends and in, in, in the fellowship of, of trying to hang out with other kids. The moment I took a first drink, I, I felt I fit in. And then I'm not a pure alcoholic, I'm a real alcoholic, so that means I did every drug that there was under the sun that was available to me. And why? Because I have the disease of more. If it makes me feel good, whether it's food, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, I'm not a guy that's a one cookie guy. If you only have two cookies, I wouldn't share one with me. That's not, that's not recommended. I'm, I'm a more guy. And I want more, and I want better, and I want different, and I want yours. And so if you have that disease of more, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And what I found out is that the steps actually get us closer to God, and God is what fits in the God-sized hole that I always thought that was everything else. I rock Z's, and girls, and, and cabaretchy jeans, and hair gel, and pizza, and everything I tried to stuff into this hole, nothing worked. It was never enough until I found God. And I, would, and I had God my first sobriety. When he knows, we were in a God group together. We were in the 11-step group, which is all about seeking through prayer and meditation. And I thought I had God. And I did. I had a piece of God. And I want you to know something. You can have a piece of God and still be lost. You can believe that you know God and still be lost. You could think you have a relationship with God and still be lost. There's some days I just want to, I want you to know I'm happily married for, for 23 years. And um, there's some days where I think I'm doing amazing. Like I think I'm communicating. I think I've done the love languages. I think I've been attentive. I've made the bed. And I say to my wife, in my eyes, I say to her, I've been a real good boy. Hoping maybe I'm gonna get a reward. And it's at that moment I realized that I really didn't do the stuff that I thought I did except make the bed. I had one check out of the, all the different checks. The communication was off. The love languages were off. I really stopped at making the bed. Everything else was like a casual thing. And I found that, and I find out at that moment that what I thought was the relationship for that day, I could do a lot better. And so I had this relationship with the God of my misunderstanding. And I didn't do the sixth and seventh step thoroughly. And instead of getting better, I got sicker. I got bigger. I was on steroids. I was, you know, I got bigger in my mind. I was got my ego and I, I got my, my car was always clean and, and I, I, I would park it illegally in front of the 12-step house. And of course, you know, because that's just the way I roll. And then before I knew it, I had talked myself into having a drink. 
because I'm a drug addict and I'm not really an alcoholic, and even though I go to meetings for Alcoholics Anonymous for seven years, I don't really believe that alcohol is going to lead me back to anything that's really disastrous because I came in when I was 21 and now I'm 31. So I figured I could probably drink. Not I don't mean drink alcoholic, I mean have a drink at dinner. And so I tried that. I pulled out the big book. It says if you don't feel like you're an alcoholic, go out and try some controlled drinking. I used that. I got that page down. <laughs> and I tried some controlled drinking. And in my wife's eyes, I was controlling the drinking because she gave me the rule. The rule is this. We were brand new married. We were only married a year. And I started drinking. She said, if you ever drink other than a Saturday night or ever get drunk, those two things. If you ever drink other than one glass of wine on a Saturday or ever get drunk, you're going back to AA. And I, I said, absolutely. That's a very, very hard thing to do if you're an alcoholic. Very hard. Those are some high expectations. They're not even close. So what, what happened immediately? I'm, I'm lying left and right. I'm building shelves in the back of the house that never got... You know, I'm not a shelf builder. I'm back there hammering and drinking and hammering and smoking and hammering and drinking. Nothing ever got built, and so I'm now a liar. And then I wound up doing drugs anyway. And how I met Russell is I went to a treatment center in Miami, and I had the blessing. Look how slender threads, as Paul says, slender threads. Look how these amazing things happen, how God does these incredible slender threads, like meeting Anthony tonight. I'm in a treatment center in the middle of Miami, I don't know Miami, and there happens to be a guy doing the steps next to the treatment center, and the treatment center starts bringing me and all the people on the druggy buggy to this place, the Dixie, the West Dixie Club, and there's Russell. And I got, I got on fire for the room, and I got on fire for the energy, and I got on fire for his enthusiasm, and I loved everything about it. And while I was in that treatment center, I loved everything about what he had, and wasn't willing to do anything that it took to get it. Because you could be in here tonight and like the way that I speak and leave here and do nothing about it, and I will have failed. Last week I asked you to give up one of the to take a look at one of the defects of character that you had and to concentrate on it this week and to really give it to God, not to work on it, but to really give it to God. And I don't know how you did with that. Good. You did good with it. Great. Raise your hand if you did pretty good with what we, what we talked about last week. Okay, three of you. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I had given up a lot for 21 days before Easter. I went on a full fast. Food, sex, carbohydrates, uh, media. I went on a full fast 21 days before Easter. I gave up a lot of stuff. And then we were with Jerry on, on Easter, and we were talking about how we did on the fast. And what did you give up? And how did you do? And I realized as I was sliding into Easter that my fast was less than amazing. I had snuck in carbohydrates and media and thoughts of lust and more carbohydrates. And on the last day, I caved in on Saturday. The day be 21 days, no sugar. I caved in to shredded wheat with frosting on it. I mean, just one more hour, it would have been Easter, and I slid into shredded wheat.
And I realized on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, as I was beating myself up for being so weak, that that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was saying. That it's through my weakness that God shows his strength. It was through my weakness that I got to hear a man that I had never spoken Alcoholics Anonymous. I had been in Alcoholics Anonymous. Now at that time I'd been in AA for 11 years. I came in at 20. I was in 31. And I heard him speak in a way that was not some uh, uh, higher powered, mealy mouse type of way, but a, a man that was talking about God's authority. And I went up to him that night and I asked him to be my sponsor. He had brought out the Bible in an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. I'd never seen anything like it. It was crazy. And I realized that I had been following a God of my misunderstanding that really had no power. And the reason that God had no power is because I had made up a God of my understanding. Somehow I had changed the step. Made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of a God as we understand it. And of course my God was a God that was a little G God and I would bring him to strip clubs with me and I would bring him to poker games. And and on Sunday nights, you couldn't get in touch with me. Why, pal? On Sunday nights, you couldn't get in touch with me because that's the night of Soprano. <laughs> and everything spiritual in nature that I was hoping to attain got all thrown out because my defects had turned into character of that I was, that I was walking around in. And so when I finally drank, I needed that drink. And I was in that treatment center and I got to hear that man. And let me tell you something. The power of his talk was not enough to keep me clean. Because the power of someone's talk without you doing the walk is not enough to do anything to change you. Except it titillates, the, it excites your ears. He was talking about doing things differently and acting things differently. And I drank anyway. And I got, Don, you okay? You good? Don? I got into a six felony car crash. What does that mean? I've never had any felonies before. 34 years old, I was had a clean record, and in one day I, I finished all that. In one car accident, I got six felonies at one time. And um, I went back to that meeting, and I had heard he was an attorney. Not that that's why I got him as my sponsor, of course not. But I figured there would be some, you know, reciprocal type of stuff. And my dad brought me down there because obviously I just got six felonies, including one of them was uh, driving while intoxicated, so I couldn't drive. And I went down to that meeting, and the man brought out a Bible, and he talked about Luke 10, acting the Good Samaritan. That we had to be the Good Samaritan. All the time. And I followed him out of there. I was on fire to follow him out of there. And I said to my dad, if I could get a guy like that as my sponsor, my whole life would change. So my dad said, why don't you just ask them? May God rest my dad's soul. He just went home to be with the Lord eight months ago. Amen. And 21 years ago, I followed that man into the parking lot, and, I, and my dad goes, go ask him, go ask him. I go, Dad, you can't just ask. There's a whole protocol. There's a protocol. <laughs> By the way, now that I say that, I just want to let you know there's a woman in the back room that's brand new. She's never been in this thing before. And she's looking for a woman sponsor. Just want to let you know that. So if there's a woman that wants to take another woman through the 12 steps, there's a woman named Rosie that's going to be coming out to meet you. And I went and I asked him to be my sponsor. And then I started following him around. And everything that he did, I did. The cool thing about this program is we don't have to invent anything. We have this amazing big book. 
that has all the power in it. And we have the 12 and 12 that shows us how to work the steps. And then we have a sponsor that's going to take us through it. How cool is that? And so last week we found out that we have these defects and that we did these things that we owe amends for. And, and what is amends? We need to go back and apologize to people. We need to make amends. We need to make right the stuff that we talked about in the fifth step. We need to go back and make it right. But the first thing we're going to have to do is we're going to have to go back to our fifth step and we're going to have to write down the names of the people we harmed. Or the institutions. I, I harmed institutions. I harmed companies. I, I, I thought that I worked for Gimbel's in the... Um, Gimbel's was this, was this Schmata store, which is a clothing store in New York. And, um, and Gimbel's, I felt... Uh, you know Gimbel's, right? I felt that Gimbel's um, needed me to weed out their extra merchandise. <laughs> now I want you to know that, that wasn't my job title to take the merchandise that was unsaleable off the floor. But I felt I could help Gimbel's. And one of the ways I would do that is as a stock boy, I would go through and I'd say, this, nobody's going to buy this, no one's going to buy this, no one's going to buy this, no one's going to buy this. And I would put it all in my shopping cart and then I would bring that out to the trash. And then after work, I'd come by the trash container and I'd take that and I would, like Robin Hood, I would disperse it through the neighborhoods for a fee. <laughs> So, so in essence, I was stealing from this company, and I wasn't little stealing. I was like major stealing for over months at a time. And as I was telling my sponsor this, and I was going, to, you know, I, I stole from this company, Gimbal's, and, uh, but uh, thank God, uh, no, I didn't say thank God. That's silly. Of course, I didn't say that. But I said, unfortunately, I never didn't say thank God. I was thinking thank God, but I said, unfortunately, they're out of business. Not going to be able to make amends to Gimbal's. They went out of business. Not as a result of anything I did, I would imagine. It's a multi-million dollar company. But um, I would really love to make amends to Gimbal's. But unfortunately, they're closed. And uh, so he said, well, put that name down. We'll, we'll get to it. And then there was a the guy in that bar that I, that, that I knew I could take. And, and then I embarrassed him in front of all his friends. And, and so I wrote that guy's name. But I don't know that guy's name. Write the guy down that you embarrass in front of him, friends, when you know you could take him and you, and, you, and you embarrass him in front of everybody. And then go down the list and write down all the people you make amends to, that you haven't made amends to. And then because I wasn't a good guy. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Most of the time, uh, there was a bunch of women that I owe amends to, and I definitely don't know their names. So how am I going to make amends to all these women that I... That, that I harmed, and uh, well, you, you're gonna write down the women's uh, the story about the woman, the woman that was here, the woman that you told that you are always gonna love her, the one you said that you're gonna call her back, the one that you uh, you know all these things, and I, and I wrote this down, and I had this list, I had this list that was made a list of all the persons you had harmed, and became willing to make amends to them all, and I, I know that there's people on our list sometimes that we're not willing to make amends to. Well, I was willing to make amends to everybody. Now, when I was going to get to it, that was a different story. 
but I'm like the best eighth step writer that there is because I'm like totally willing until the ninth step. So I'm like amazing. I'm writing down institutions. I got gimbals on there. I got all the girls that I've harmed, all the fist fights I've had, all the guys that I've wronged, the business deals. I write, I have an amazing eighth step. Raise your hand if you're an amazing eighth step person. Like you wrote it all down. And I'm like, wow, I really, I'm like a thorough eight step guy. And then I found out that ninth is make direct amends to such people except uh, make men wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. That sounds like th this is going to be like a tall order. Like I'm going to have to go back and contact a lot of them. Matter of fact, it looks like I'm going to have to go back and contact all these people. <laughs> Woo! And, and here's what I want to share with you. I had a, a, a sponsor. I had two sponsors. Two amazing men. Jerry Bear and Russell Spatz at the same time. Russell I went to meetings with every day and followed him out to California and every convention he was ever in and had the blessing of taking his sponsor around, Joe Schneider, and hearing all the stories and growing up under his uh, direction. And then I had a sponsor that I worked the steps with, some of the steps when, when Russell wasn't available. And between these two men, they helped raise me in this sobriety. My last sobriety, I had another incredible man by the name of Myron Azip before I met Russell or Jerry, and he was the locksmith of Bar Broward County. He was an incredible man. He died with over 44 years of sobriety. He was a personal friend of Jimmy's, an incredible guy. And he took me through the steps, and I didn't listen. I didn't really get it. I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought you guys were, like, over-exaggerating. I'm like, what's a big deal? You stop drinking. You don't smoke crack. Everything's going to work out. And, and as I told you that, it worked exactly opposite in my life. So this time around, I'm going to be searching and fearless. I'm going to be thorough. I'm going to write the stuff down. And then I'm going to get to the ninth step. And then I'm going to pray for the strength to be able to do it. And here's the thing that's tough. The, the financial stuff. The financial stuff is tough. Why? Because we're cheap. <laughs> we don't want to part with our pocketbook. We don't want to make amends to a company that's out of business. We don't want to give to organizations and give extra in the basket and make sure we're tithing at church or synagogue or wherever you go. We want to, we want to keep our money because we're cheap. And in the ninth step, you really find out how much you're willing to do. Because there's a place in the middle of the ninth step that says, uh, you'll be amazed before you're halfway through. Yeah, do you want to be? But listen, I want to be amazed, but I don't want to part with my money. <laughs> I want to be amazed, and I don't want to contact women that I hurt because I know it's going to harm them. I'm not even going to give them the satisfaction to be able to make amends to them, just in case it could harm them. As a matter of fact, I don't think I'm going to make any amends to any of the females because that could hurt any of them. And I come up with these rules that are going to get me sicker. And that's why I need a sponsor. But the first time, I went and I, I wanted to make amends to all the females. Because I wanted to show them how amazing I'm doing. No, I wanted to walk in there with my big book and my Bible, a big cross and like muscle t-shirt. I wanted to show them what, they didn't, what they're missing. 
So I had like all, I had Susie Cream Cheese, I had all these names on there. I go to Russell, I go to Russell, I got Susie Cream Cheese, I got Annie Appleseed, I got all these women on there, right? And Russell's like, this is not, this is not, this is like Match.com, this is not a men's list. One of the things you're going to do is you're not going to contact any of them. I'm like, what? You're going you're gonna to start paying back women's organizations. You're, you're going to start being extra generous with everybody that's around you. And, and, and if there's a specific thing that you can contact one of these women about that you know you need to make specific amends and it's not going to harm her or her husband or someone she's relationship with, well, you'll contact them. But most of the women, the way you're going to make amends to is never speak to them again. That's the amends you're going to do. I'm like, well, I don't even understand why he's coming down so hard on me. He's such a great guy. <laughs> And so I start following him around. And uh, Russell tells me about the Bible. And I just want to share with you that something that I heard from Russell that has changed my life. The people that you hang around with, the books that you read, the group that you're in, the things you watch will help shape the person you're going to be over the next five years. If you want to continue to be a loser, hang out with losers. If you want to continue to be spiritually broken, hang out with people that are spiritually broken. You want to continue to do drugs and alcohol? Hang out with people that are using. If you want, because I hung out with like the, the, the fray of alcoholics and others. The people I hung out with like the fray. You remember Rich like the last time, the fray. We'd hang out with the fray guys. You know, guys that are like, you know, smoking cigars and going to strip clubs and punching guys in meetings. I hung out with the fray guys. Guys that were still packing in meetings for the wrong reasons. Hey, ooh, ooh. <laughs> So then I became a fray guy. You know, what is a fray guy? A person that's on the outside. Russell explained to me that the people that you hang around with, the books that you read, the places you go, the stuff you listen to, it's going to help shape the person you are. So I started to read the books he was reading. You know who else I found out did that, which is so cool? Turns out that Bill and Bob did that. Turns out that Father Dowling and, and all these people were pouring into Bill and Bob. It's not that Bill and Bob didn't have any any type of uh, supervision. They just came up with this whole thing. They didn't come up with this whole thing. They were in re receiving information and downloading it and hanging out with people. I had this incredible blessing. I'll, I'll never forget it. Uh, a, a little nobody like me. I was on a cruise ship once. Um, I think Russell might have been speaking. It might have been the, the time Russell was speaking. We were on a cruise ship where he was speaking. I'm, I, I, it's possible. And Dr. Bob's son was there. But I didn't know it was Dr. Bob's son. And so my wife and I were having breakfast. And we happened to be having breakfast with Dr. Bob's son. So, of course, you know, I'm like, hey, how you doing? I'm Stevie B. How are you? Who are you? And he's like, my name is Smitty. And I'm like, ooh. This could, this could be big. This is like a big deal right here. This, is, this sounds like this. And he's like, and, and then, so I didn't just say, are you Dr. Bob's son? Right? I started putting two and two together. I'm sitting in front of Dr. Bob's son. And then, and then he started to explain to me some of the stuff. And I, and I said, well, can you just tell me how it was in your house when Alcoholics Anonymous was being formed? Because my sponsor had always told me that it was really Dr. Bob's wife that put a lot of the prayer meetings together. And I, so I, I want to ask him, how important was your mom to uh, putting this whole thing together in your house with the Bible studies and everything? And he said, you know what? It was my mom. 
We'd have people come down into the living room. I was just a little kid, and they would come down to the living room. Some of them were drunk. They'd come down, and my mom would have Bible studies down there. I said, how amazing this is. My sponsor's telling me about that. And, she, and, and Smith was like, well, you know what? you got a good sponsor. I had, the, I had the opportunity with a year of sobriety to sit in front of uh, the founder of Alcoholics and I'm the son and hear what my sponsor had been telling me. Turns out my sponsor was telling me the truth. That Alcoholics Anonymous uh, started with people pouring into Bill and Bob. One of them was his wife. Both their wives. Both, both men that started this program had amazing wives. One of the wives started Al-Anon. The other wife started Bible studies in, in the house. And so I, I grew up in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the eyes and the shadow of these giants, right? And I started... Uh, following uh, Russell, and one of the things my sponsor does is my sponsor goes to church. So then I, I immediately follow that, and I, I start going to church. It sounds, turns out in the big book, it talks about that many of us return back to uh, the religions of our youth, and we, we need to be see where religious people are right. I didn't like religious people. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't anti-religious people. I just thought, I, I was one of these guys that always said, AA is my, my church. But that's not enough for a guy like me. I'm spiritually sick. I need extra help. I need some. I can't just do it in AA because not all the time in AA I'm getting spiritually fed. So I'm going to do it with AA and I'm going to do it with Bible studies and I'm going to do it with church and I'm going to do it with fellowship. I'm going to do it with service. It turns out that's what they're talking about in the big book. It turns, about, it, it, it turns out that if I'm going to be amazed before I'm halfway through, I'm going to have to do things to get all the way to halfway through. And so I, um, I started to look at the steps differently. And the steps started to be miraculous for me, as you guys know. And, and these slender threads, I needed to have that man in my life. And I needed to follow him around. And I don't put him on a pedestal. You guys know I, joke, I make fun of him all the time. He curses and from the podium. I can't stand that. And then he, has one of the, he uses one of the lines from the Bible, you know, just one verse of the Bible, and he just puts it all out there that he's allowed to curse. And, and I don't like that. But he, the man helped change my life. And the man helped put me on a path for God. And, um, and I, I want to tell you something. I have been amazed before I'm halfway through. I have known a new freedom and a new happiness. And some of you guys are looking at you right now and you look like you need a little new freedom and a new happiness. You're sitting there like, like your faces stink. <laughs> the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. If we are painstaking about this phase of our, our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. One of the things that I think is a, is a terrible disservice to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, to the Lord's Prayer and the Serenity Prayer, is we don't put our brains into it when we're reading it. It becomes like a mantra that we're not thinking about. The Lord's Prayer at the end of the meeting becomes, a, a, really we're saying the Lord's Prayer to, like, to, to, to get through it so that we can get, have a cup of coffee and hug somebody. We're, we're losing power uh, in, in these incredible places because this moment I started to read, if we're painstaking about this phase of our development, your minds, our minds, already started to do the next line. But can you imagine the people that heard about it for the first time when it wasn't a mantra or some shtick in a meeting and they heard about it for the first time and when they got to the big book, it said, if we are painstaking about this phase of our de development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. These people were just drinking. Their lives were completely destroyed. 
They were homeless and hobos and things had happened bad to them. And even if they were doctors like Dr. Bob, their practices were destroyed. And we, they get to this place here and it says, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through. We're going to, new, we're going to know a new freedom. A new freedom. I don't want this kid that came in here at 21 years old. I don't want that freedom. I wasn't free. I thought I was free. I thought drugs and alcohol were my problem. They weren't my problem. I was trapped since I was, maybe since I was six, in a body that I didn't understand, in a mind that wasn't my friend, and it was always turning against me. I want a new freedom. I don't want to pour old wine, new wine into an old wineskin. I want to have a new freedom. I want to have something different. I want to be passionate about things I was never passionate about before. I want to walk into a meeting and not have it be the same old, same old. How you doing? Hanging in there. <laughs> what do you mean hanging in there? I remember one time I was at a I was at a conference with John and John and Eric, and our friend Andy Kate went up to me. And uh, I'm always going through some type of financial devastation all the time. But I want, but, but I want you guys to, I want you guys to like give me some, you know, give me a moment when I tell you, right? So my friend Andy he comes up to me, he goes, "How you doing?" I go, "I'm really financially having a tough time. I'm really having a tough time." He goes, "Okay, well make sure you tell Sandy." I said, "Hi." I said, "Okay, that's my wife." He just moved on to the next person. So I said, "I'm going to really try harder on the next guy that comes up to me." Obviously, they're not understanding how bad this is. So the next guy that came here probably was John G. John G goes, hey, Stevie, how you doing? I go, John G, I've been financially devastated. <laughs> and I paused. I said, I've been financially devastated. John G goes, that's nice. Make sure you tell Sandy that I said hello. Move on to the next person. <laughs> You're sober. You're sober. I remember one time I was driving down to the Fort Lauderdale Swap Shop where I worked and I had the worst day ever and my sponsor happened to be in the car next to me with Mason and they were going to the West Side Men's Group. He was going to speak there that night and I was in the parking lot and I was driving out and I had my hands draped over my steering wheel. And my sponsor looks over at me and I go, I sit him through the next car I go, I had the day from hell at work. My sponsor shouts out, you got a job? <laughs> we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will, listen to this line. How many times have we drink for this? We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. Right, Josh? We will know peace. Why? I've been looking for peace my whole life. I never had a moment's peace except in between a drink and a joint for a second, like a nanosecond, in between, in a, couple of, a couple of moments, and then, it would, and then it would end. But now we're going to know the word serenity and well-known peace. Just think about what a great time we're having in here tonight. That's the word serenity. No matter how far the scale we have gone down, have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. You know how amazing that is in alcohol tonight? We have a built-in information capsule. I remember one time I said to my sponsor in Minneapolis, I just pawned my car. I pawned my car, and he was in with all his friends, and they all started laughing in the background because they all had sobriety, and I had just relapsed on crack for like the 45th time. And I call him up, and I go, Jimmy, I just pawned my car. And I figured he, they would be like, oh, my God, Stevie just pawned his car. They were all laughing. 
And now my experience can benefit others. When people come to me like, you're not going to believe that I just pulled my car. I go, I did that too. <laughs> and then as soon as you start sponsoring people, you become intelligent. Like, like, like four months ago, you were in Bark, and then four months later, people are like, what should I do with my life? That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. You become like a genius to people that aren't sober. You got the big book in one hand and you're giving them financial advice. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity disappears. And we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. That's why we're here tonight. We all came here for a show about God. People drove a long distance. Daniel, Russell... They came a long distance. You guys came from up north because we cannot wait to get around other people that have found the solution, are doing it through God in the 12 steps, are in Alcoholics Anonymous and enjoying themselves. The world is trying to pull us down. We're not going to let the world pull us down. This is where we're going to get our energy and we're going to go out and we're going to try to make some disciples and bring them into Alcoholics Anonymous if they need our help. And the feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We got, we got new things. We start doing things like, like I'm following your meditation program and, and prayer party at John in the morning and I'm spending more time with the Lord. Because I heard it works for, and I see it works for you. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. And we'll lose, interest in, we'll lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Next time they do the ninth step promises in the meeting, don't just hum them. Think about what they're saying. You came in here sad tonight and you have sobriety and you're only thinking about yourself. Get back to work. You're miserable. If you're bored, someone told me they were bored. One of the guys in the back room when that's watching told me he's bored. What? I'm looking for some bored. Give me a little time off. I've been afraid of everything my whole life. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave you. Now I'm not, I'm not sure about the fear of economic insecurity. That that that's like advanced AA stuff. I'm I'm still in the middle right now. I'm still in the fear of it economic. My, my sponsor says, it, it, I said, Russell, when, when am I going to lose the fear of economic insecurity? He says, um, he says, well, you're always going to be broke, but it gets to a time where you're not going to worry about it. I mean, that doesn't really help me. That's not, that doesn't make me, make me feel any better. I'm like, I'm financially devastated. Do you know that if you're financially devastated and you have sobriety and you trust God, that you will never go to one city anywhere in the whole entire world and not have someone that will open up their house to you and put you on their couch or invite you in? Listen to how slender threads, and then I'm going to end the meeting. I'm just going to tell you something amazing. My sponsor on, on listen to this incredible story. If you, if you have having any struggle with God, listen to this. I just got asked to speak at Drug Addicts Anonymous. It's a program for drug addicts, and they use the big book. It's like this new program. And I'm one of the speakers. And they're bringing in all these speakers from all over the United States. And I'm going to uh, uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin on August 12th to be one of their speakers. They're bringing in Chris Raymer and all these speakers. And I'm one of the speakers. And I'm blessed. And I call the guy there and I tell him, um, 
something. Oh, I tell him I'm going to be speaking there in his hometown. And he tells me, your sponsor is speaking there the same weekend. I go, my sponsor speaking in Milwaukee on the same weekend? He says, yeah, we're getting your sponsor to speak right next to you in the next hotel for our anniversary dinner. I mean, are you kidding me? What's the chance that we're flying out to the same town, which is Milwaukee, in the middle of all the United parts of the United States? He's in the next hotel over. I'm probably going to be able to hear him because I'm sure I'm not the Saturday night speaker. It's probably Chris R. from Texas. I'm going to be able to do my deal and then sneak over over there out of the drug addicts area, over to the alcoholics area, listen to my sponsor, come back over. They're not going to even miss me. And we happen to be in the, next, in the same town in the next hotel. Is that unbelievable? If you want to continue to settle for the croutons and hang in there and all that kind of stuff and pretend that God is not doing anything, that's on you. But I'm excited to have a life beyond my wildest dreams and have God do for me what I couldn't do for myself. God bless you guys.